This is the Things We Do podcast, a podcast about film, life, television, culture, mental health, and all of that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, I've got my special guest and friend, Erin Bruce. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Why did I just go so high-pitched? I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> um, so, because I, I know a lot about you. Okay. Um, tell everyone out there in the wonderful audience a bit about yourself. Uh, a bit about myself. Um, okay. Well, I grew up in Sydney. Um, I am a singer and actor and traveled for about 15 years with musical theater and cabarets around Europe, America, Caribbean, New Zealand. Um, but other than that, I do lots of yoga and a studio. Uh, I'm tall. I don't know why I feel like I need to tell people that because I think people hear my voice and think that I'm like little, but I'm definitely what, like not. You're a little short. Yeah. I don't know why. Interesting. Um, yeah, so I'm tall and I'm, I have a dog and she's adorable and I should have brought her here. She could have just slept on the floor. But, That's uh, true. She could she have could and have. I would have been very happy with that because I love dogs. You would have hated the hair afterwards. But yeah, but that- <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Don't don't uh, don't, don't like criticize the fact that your dog molts. No, I can't do anything about it. So <laughs> she's just, just a to own it. She yeah, is. What she kind is. of breed is she? Uh, I don't know. She was a rescue. Um, well, the puppy of a rescue. So my older brother, if you want a story, yes, um, took in a rescue dog about six years ago, and the pound was going to put it down. So they were like, okay, if you don't take it, the, the dog's yeah. going to have to be put down. And we were like, no, 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 we can't have that happen. And so my older brother took it in and ah. she started to get really fat. And we were like, are you not running her? Are you feeding her too much? And then turns out she was very pregnant after being dissexed by the Newtown uh, Veterinary Clinic. I probably shouldn't have named them, name and shame. <laughs> um and yeah, and then she had nine puppies on Australia Day five wow. years ago. So yeah, so Nova is one of the the pups. But oh. I didn't realize it was a thing. Okay, so I don't know if anybody else knows, but if a dog is in heat a certain period of time, there can be multiple fathers. So like all of the puppies looked completely different because the poor thing was on the street. It was maybe a bit of a floozy. And so all the puppies looked completely different. So like some of them looked a bit like labs. Some of them looked like staffies. Some of them had like these like pushed in smudgy little pug sort of faces. It was really bizarre. Wow. Yeah. I did not expect like a floozy kind of dog. Well, I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't know it now. She's like the sweetest, most gentle little thing. But, um, but the, but the, <laughs> the mum is, yeah. yeah. The, the, you know, but uh, the mum at the time was a bit of a floozy. She'd she walk was. the street. And it's, <laughs> well, you know, poor thing. I know. It's like always a bit hard, when you, you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, dogs out on the street, you know, get up to pesky business. Do they? I didn't, I didn't even know, though, that the fact. That's really. I think that's really cool. That's really like, cool. I didn't expect that at all because I just assumed that they would all just look the same. But Yes. Can you imagine if humans could do that? <laughs> I mean, does it happen? I don't think so. I think, I think the way... <laughs> not that they're going to have nine puppies. Completely different, but <laughs> okay, know. can I not imagine that? Because that would be the worst birthing experience. Like having twins mm. or anything is probably bad enough. Yeah. And I think there's one person who actually had eight children. Yes. Yeah, like octoplets. Oh, that's like a, was there a name like Octomom or something? Yeah, yeah. Like maybe I just made that up, but I feel like I saw her in like the Women's Day or something. Yeah, and she's, she's, her story's been around, and I'm always like, mm, mm. okay. okay. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't like the idea of like having multiple multiple births in one sort of like day. Well, I don't think you have much of a choice. I know. <laughs> if it happens, it happens, right? I know. It's it's kind of like a luck of the draw, but I mm. I definitely know people who have had twins. 
Oh, stacks. Yeah. Stacks of twins. And yeah. like, you know, then you just got the best of both worlds because mm-hmm. you've got like two children instead of you. Well, I suppose that you could look at it as in you just get it all done in one hit yeah. as opposed to having Multiple to get children. pregnant again. I don't know. <laughs> you I don't out. have kids, so <laughs> I don't know. Where are you, where are you popping out these children? Nowhere. I just <laughs> pretend they're my children when I go into a casting. Yeah, right. I give okay. them back at the end. <laughs> The yeah. best kind of nanning. Mm-hmm. It's like, jeez. Um, so where did the, where did your acting like originate from? Where did you when did you want to start becoming an actor and a singer? And... Um, I suppose I went to a musical yeah. school, so they had an amazing music program. So everyone in my family, we learnt to play an instrument really early. My parents were really like that was an important thing. Yeah. So like reading music now is like a second language, which is kind of great. Oh, cool. Okay. Um. But I suppose I always danced. My grandma's a tap dancer. Did I tell you that? No, you did yeah, not. She is 90. This She's year, 90. She goes to tap classes every Tuesday. She still every... taps. It's insane. That's impressive. Yeah, she's going to outlive us. She's <laughs> unbelievable. Um, but I think my love of dance sort of stemmed from her. Like she pushed quite early on for us to do dancing. And my brother did it and my sister did it. My little brother didn't. He was... um. He didn't want to, you know, be creative. Um, this is my reaction to that. <laughs> no. Um, but, yeah, so I guess at high school was kind of where it started. The music program was really amazing. And yeah. we, I sort of sang through with the jazz bands and there was a cappella groups and sort of that sort of formed the foundation. And I wasn't going to – I actually wasn't going to pursue music. So at the end of high school – I remember going, nah, I'm going to do like hotel management. And I was working at the Park Hyatt in the city. I was the only girl there. It was hilarious because I had to wear this uniform that was like a man's uniform because they didn't have one for a, w- a woman. Yeah. Um. So I'd be running around. And I remember meeting Pierce Brosnan on my first day, like all of these amazing A-listers. And I was going to do that. And then I was singing in a competition in Sydney and there was a um, – an agent in the audience and he was like, Hey, can you be in London on Monday for this contract? And I was, and I looked at my mom and cause I was like 18 and she's just like, yep. So I packed up my life in three days and wow. off we went. It was amazing. That's yeah, yeah. so surreal. And yeah, then, yeah. and then that was just 15 years kind of give or take. Yeah. Just uh, kept moving around. Like when did that contract then came back and then went overseas and studied mm. um, acting and music and, and dance at LaSalle College in Singapore, which mm. is amazing. Um, and yeah, and then just kind of toured from there. Got really lucky. So wow. Very, very lucky. Did, yeah. Like, and that all just comes from a singing competition. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think I was always a bit of a drama queen. Like I found, <laughs> I'm not even, no, I'm not even lying. I found all of these like photos of me when I was like little and I'm like prancing around the house in like big hats and skirts and you can't see my arm movements, but I'm twirling yeah. about and um, yeah, I think I was pretty much always going to be a drama queen. I think yeah. it was sort of inevitable. And I remember mum taking me to see Phantom when I was in Oh, Lord, six. yeah, yeah. And it was like the first musical I'd ever seen. And there's that massive scene at the end of Act One where the chandelier smashes on the on the ground. And she, she was like, you were up on your chair so fast. You were like so excited. I was like up and standing and just like cheering because like this yeah, thing yeah. had happened. And she was like, yeah, we kind of knew that that was going to be where you went. And they've been so supportive. Which has been amazing because I know a lot of people who haven't been as lucky as I have. But um, mm. yeah, 
I think also because when I'm overseas, they can just come in for a holiday. They're just like, where are you now? We're just going to come visit you for a couple of weeks. I'm yeah. Like, sure. No sure. Sure, guys. <laughs> yeah. It's not um, about my music. You guys just want a holiday. So. Yeah. I know. Yeah. That's the only reason yeah, anyone yeah. wants to come and visit uh, like family or friends. It's just holidays. Mm-hmm. Like, plus a place to crash. I mean, like it's, you know. And yeah. I know all the good places by that point. So it's like. And like, did you feel like that was sort of like you're, you were in your element though, being like wandering around at 18 in the middle of like London? And- I mean, at 18 in London is a terrifying place. Because it's busy. Definitely balls my eyes out for the entire first week. Because it's like the first time I'd been away from home um, with a whole bunch of people I hadn't met before. and But once I got into rehearsals, I was just like, oh, yeah, this is. This is great. This, like, is, this, this is what is, I know. This is fine. Yeah. yeah. I think it's that initial thing of being like, I don't know where I am. I don't know where I fit in. And then and then you're like, oh, okay. It's yeah. All good. It's yeah. a very like slow progression. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that's, I can imagine. I just kind of, kind of can't imagine you being like this 18 year old bawling your eyes out because you're so headstrong. <laughs> like, but that's you now. Sure. Having, having known you for the like last three years. Yeah. Versus like, you know, almost. 10, uh, over 10 years ago where you were yeah. just like young Aaron just going, the world. Well, it's like so naive, you know. We, yeah. we, grew up in, we grew up in this beautiful little bubble and like. Yeah. Which is very lucky, but I guess I didn't have to really fend for myself until I went over there and then. What was it? What was it like though? Meeting meeting people who obviously you know were had had more experience from you at that age. I think it's the best thing in the world because mm. you can learn. Yeah, you can learn from every single person that you meet, and maybe it's learning what not to do. Yeah, but maybe it's learning all of these things that are going to help you throughout your career or yeah, making yeah. choices. Um, yeah, always. No, I think it's great. Yeah, honestly. what was it? What was the most like challenging part of that whole like? 15 years what was the most difficult part um i think missing a lot of stuff here yeah so being overseas i think i missed every single one of my friends 21st every single wedding every single pregnancy every single like all of those big events in other people's lives i was never here for Mm. and um i think that was the hardest thing because i want to be there to support my friends and and when you're so far away, like I'm thrilled that Skype and FaceTime and all of these things came into play because when I was on my first contract, like we had one computer and um, you'd have to wait like three hours because there'd be a line of people who wanted to like get on there with their little thing. And you remember those old like, nah, like sounds yeah. the computers used to make? Like that was it. So I actually wrote home via letters. Wow. Because that, that was you know internet wasn't a big thing at that point so oh my god i'm really showing some age no, um, no, no. <laughs> but no i think i think missing all of that was hard and that's why i wanted to come back because yeah. i was like i've lived out of my suitcase for such a long time it's time to make some some roots and maybe reestablish some friendships and things that yeah. have been lost over you know the last 10 15 years yeah and that's mm-hmm. and that's always kind of hard and though you're not showing your age uh-huh. <laughs> Um, I had some Botox. Yeah. Um, no, I I think it's like one of those things because yeah, it's it's when you sort of move away, and that's what I feel like a lot of people probably that's the biggest fear for a lot of people is to move mm-hmm. away from family mm-hmm. and friends, especially like yeah, sure. when that's your biggest support network. So mm-hmm. to like, I know definitely know people who have never left 
Sydney or yeah. Australia yeah, in yeah. general. I know because, people who don't have passports. Yeah. It's like they've never left. Because yeah. they're in fear of like either pursuing a career over there or they've just gone, eh, it's not for me. And yeah, they just here. don't want to. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, like I think everything now is changing so dramatically as well because of the pandemic mm-hmm. and stuff that it's it's really kind of like changed our industry and, and it, to a whole different degree. Yeah. Um, that probably like the idea of traveling for 15 years is not an option. Well, it's weird for me because, like, this is the longest that I've been in Australia. Yeah. For this, like, I've been home what, three years now. Yeah. So as long as I've known you, um, or just just a bit longer. But yeah, it feels really weird for me to have been here this long. Yeah. Because I normally like, yeah, I'll come back for like a month or two, and it's like a bit of downtime, and then I'm like, cool. So I'm going off on this tour. I'm going to go on this contract, and to not even have those options, it's like a little bit terrifying. So it's kind of re adjusting my career to find a base here yeah um and especially with the pandemic there was not i mean there was no work all of last yeah. year so and with, and with the pandemic in here a plane just flying i know that's like it's like welcome back evolution uh, yeah <laughs> it's <Sorry>. it, <laughs> political views out of the podcast <laughs> um no political views in the podcast um but yeah i mean like that that's always the thing of just um you know, being limited to where we were because I know that I think the pandemic for me, in in contrast, put a lot of things into perspective mm-hmm. of um of good things. Like, sure. but it was very much you've got to shift your perspective to what actually you can achieve. Especially because we didn't, you know, when Australia when when the world got hit by the pandemic, we didn't know how bad Australia would be. Mm-hmm. And there was literally like I'm in an hiring for a few months, and now it's it's a lot better. But it's still like um. You know, I, f- I feel like people automatically go, oh, now I'll shove the vaccine in myself and then I'll fly off to the no- other side of the world. I'm like, I don't, that's yeah, not how it works. Um, so there's a lot of these controversial opinions about like people wanting to get out of the country ASAP. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that'd be nice. I'd love to, you know, like obviously, you know, now that New Zealand's opened its borders mm-hmm. and stuff, that would be really nice to go and visit them. Have you but ever been? I've loved New Zealand. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's like, yeah. it's uh being to both islands yeah. and uh, flawless. Um, but yeah, it's sort of like on my list to go back and and visit and obviously um, potentially if I can move there as well because you're I'd gonna love move to, to New Zealand. I, I would love can to. I come? Yeah, sure. I like. I'm oh. obsessed. I will fold, <laughs> I love New I will, I will so fold you up in my suitcase <laughs> and take you in. There. I'm pretty flexible. We can yeah, do it. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, like, I love New Zealand, and I think it's also like it's such a nice industry down there. But also, like, yeah, it's just one of those things that I think now that America has moved most of its production studios to here into Australia because most, you know, big films are being filmed here now. Thank you to the pandemic in a way because really the pandemic did that. It kind of just forced them to reevaluate everything and go, okay, well, uh, we can't film anything. Like, we can't practically do this here, Mm -hmm. so we'll move it all to a country where we know it's safe. Yeah. And um, that's actually brought a lot of Australian you know, crew and cast. There's a lot, lot of work. work. There's yeah. so much work. Yeah. Um, does that really kind of also make you sort of like appreciate being back to Australia? hundred percent. I mean, I love Australia. Every time I, f- yeah, like when I used to fly in, I'd look out the window and I go, why do I leave? Because Australia is so beautiful. It is. And like, I think until you go out of Australia and then you come back, Yeah. I don't think you realize how lucky we are here. Um, but there is so much work happening at the moment. Like, especially the last, I mean, obviously not last year. Last year was a big mess. But, like, 
especially the last couple of months, I think there's been more auditions and there's been more castings. And yeah. with all of this new stuff happening, it's really exciting for Australia. And I, I'm, I mean, you can't. I'm just like bubbling inside by knowing some mates who are like really booking work and really just smashing goals because the opportunities are here. Yeah. Um, I don't think there'll be any chance of us going to the States anytime soon. Well, no. at least I'm not going because it's still a mess and Europe is still a mess. Like the world is still a big, hot pandemic mess. Um, so I think we're very, very lucky. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen. Yeah. And maybe this is going to put like the government giving a little bit more cash into the creative arts, which has been very much very fried. sparse yeah. for the last few years. So maybe um, it's a nice... Like to be, I mean, also that, like we, you know, that that is also just uh, a controversy in itself. Oh, that's a podcast on its own. That's you know. a, part. <laughs> but it, it's, it's very much like, um, you know, and I mentioned in episode one, um, but it, it is very much like some big gripe. I really hate Australians' version of you know, you know what I found out recently. What as did well, you find out? Um, which appalled me greatly. Oh. But uh, but COVID tests used to be free to anyone. Okay, they sure. used to be hundred percent free. Mm-hmm. Now. They are paid if you're not sick. Wait, what? Yep. So, according to some places, if you are not sick at all mm-hmm. and you don't require one, uh, it will cost you $100 okay. to get a COVID test. Whereas if you are sick, it's free. So, either you have to fake being sick, like having a cold on something. Um, yeah, I did a couple of websites that do this now. This is really bizarre. Only because, like, for example, I filmed a commercial two weeks ago. Yeah. And I had to have a COVID test before yeah. going to the commercials, just, you know, to be clear when we're on set. Um, Did you get a reference number from the commercial? I think so. Yeah. So, that that means the commercial paid for it okay. and you didn't have to. Great. Because, exactly. well, but that's still like. That means the capital. That is so weird. Because the government are capitalizing on the fact that this, is, this service shouldn't be free for sure. them. Okay. And I get that. But. As people's paranoia, mm-hmm. I don't approve because it's something that they offered at the beginning as a free service, sure. whether you felt sick or not, mm-hmm. just to get the test. And now they're going, oh, there's no many cases, so yeah, yeah. cash out. And it's uh, such a it's such an Australian government thing to do. I mean, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I discovered this recently because I was I was I was meant to I'm about to be on a film set, uh, shooting something for one of my friends, mm-hmm. and because we're working with kids. I was like, everyone get a check, yeah, and then, sure. or you know, I was helping fund it. But the because the people who were organising it were part of a charity, they were like, we can't afford getting everyone mm-hmm. a COVID test. So, um, I guess no COVID test, and just everyone wear masks, right? And I was like, okay, then, mm-hmm. like, let's organise it like that. So there's there's always workarounds, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it's very interesting how the government, you know, just flips on this, you know, helping the industries mm-hmm. and then not really helping, like they make things cost. And, you know, something that often baffles me, especially sure. is toll roads. Yeah. The, ro- the toll roads, once you <laughs> yes. paid the road off, yeah. the tolls shouldn't exist. They shouldn't, no. But, but yet they, they do. still do. They do. And they come out of my account six times a week. Yeah. Yes, they do. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's all these baffling things that I think our government just goes, oh, yeah, we're going to take JobKeeper away from you and all these things. And like, but don't worry, we're going to invest mm. money into things that we actually don't have money or finance for. And yeah. we're massively in debt. Well, the JobKeeper one is an interesting one, though, because, I mean, I was very, very fortunate to get 
JobKeeper last year. And I am so thankful because yeah. like I told you before, like I lost all of my work from March to December within yeah. like a week. So JobKeeper literally saved my ass last year. But I do think there's a point where it has been taken to like a little bit of the piss off. Just a little bit by some people. I'm not saying all. I'm yeah. saying there are definitely some people who are still really, really needing that service. And I think it should be there for them now. I don't think it should have just been taken away completely. But I think there are a few people like I know some people who were like, oh, well, I'm getting free money, so I'm not going to work. And I was like, well, that's not the that's not the, the point, point of the job keeper. So I had these debates on many occasions with people. Um so yeah, that is a. I understand why they took it away because there were people like that. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a really tricky one. It's, it's kind of a double-edged sword situation because you don't short. want to take the money. The sword, sword. Bigger's mine. Sorry, Spaceballs reference. <laughs> I love that movie. Um, <laughs> God, that's a dated movie now. Hey, told you I'm old. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like. That, that in particular, it really does, if, you know, money, obviously the way the arts is stuff and everything, it does feel like very much the same kind of like mm-hmm. they're giving money, but then they're also taken away because, mm-hmm. you know, they're worried about people taking a piss out of, of course. Like, out of situations. But in saying that. And if that, people can take advantage of something. They will. They will. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, and that's been proved time and time again. And I think. It's one thing also that I, I think really sort of stands out with the Australian film industry and the creative industry is we're such hard workers, mm-hmm. which kind of shows, yes. but then there's just no funding behind, mm-hmm. you know, the amount of projects that I know that don't pay or they don't, you know, what's that thing? What's that saying where it's like, oh, you know, pay actors, but don't pay crew and pay crew, but don't pay actors. Like, you remember that saying? Yes. It's like, there's just... There's a, you know, there is no easy, you know, if you don't have a huge amount of money, just mm-hmm. spread the money evenly. Like, sure. just go, oh, I can give you this, you know, like spread it out. Or I'll just be upfront about it too. Mm. Yeah. But but there's so many people who just, you know, and I think also job protections and, you know, like everything like that, when you mm-hmm. have a set rate and you're, an, you know, a freelancer or an employee, sure. you have set budget, you know, like rates and everything. But there's always different things. I think there's just people don't know or don't care some people really don't care in this industry like if they don't if you don't have the money they'll go no worries i'm not going to be a part of it mm-hmm. and sometimes they like to haggle and i'm just or sometimes they like to get more money out of you because they think you're keeping money from them it's very interesting i've worked mm. from like the perspective of where you want to get more money and sure. then also like the other side of the coin where I've employed people in the past for more money, which the production don't have. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, you know, you we only have a finite amount of cash. It's not yeah. like we're pulling and robbing a bank and going. But there's always this expectation, I think, with this industry that there's some, you know, because we all work hard for it and there's, you know, the cost of living has not shrunk. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. And it's actually just kind of like the whole pandemic, they should have been like, you know what, reduce the cost of rent reduce the cost of this, that, and the other, so it makes it easy on everyone. I mean, and there are wonderful people out there who did that. I mean, I can only say from my experience with, you know, JobKeeper in the pandemic, it's like um, the studio that I owned. Yeah. We had to close our doors, you know, because of the pandemic. So we took everything online, but the landlord was amazing and said, you know, the entire the time that you are not using that space, you are not paying rent. So for the four months that we had to close during mm. middle of the year last year, we didn't pay rent, which literally saved our asses because we lost so many members yeah. who couldn't come to the space because they'd lost their jobs. So we were kind of giving back 
our time and they weren't really paying membership. So it was this, yeah, it was a kind of a beautiful community moment of just being like, let's all do this and we'll support each other and help. And without that, we wouldn't have survived. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So. Uh But yeah, you had to close that down as well. Like that closed down in. Yeah, we closed down a month ago. Um, But that's okay. Like it was the end of lease. Yeah. Um, We'd had it the space for two and a half years and I'm so proud of it like yeah because it was it was your baby oh my god it was my little baby it was so beautiful and I loved it and that but the hardest thing to let go was the people the Mm. people who had come and had supported us from day one it was this amazing community and um but I knew that for me it was a chapter that was sort of done Mm. And my business partner, uh, she was also like, I'm going to move. I'm going to like go and do some other things with my my life. And I was like, okay, so we close the doors and it it's fine. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like every, it's be- it was a beautiful chapter. And now since closing that, all of these other things have fallen in my lap and it's been wonderful. So yeah, I'm sad. I'm sad because we worked so hard and I would have loved to have seen it blossom into something even bigger, but yeah. also you can't open your doors and then a pandemic fall in your lap. <laughs> it was a bit of, it was, it was tough. It was yeah. Tough. I mean, yeah, yeah. and also, you know, the fact that uh, I remember your optimism throughout the entire period being something to, uh, you know, admire about you because there was, there was so much that could have just made you sink and be like, you know, given up, but you stayed very truthful to it. And I think that's, Something to commend you by, oh, that's um, sweet. because yeah, it's it's a very hard thing to have. Also, you know, because I know what it's like to project. There's an element of well, when you project yourself into something, and it mm-hmm. just feels entirely like, you know, a beautiful thing. That even though it's in your, you know, strangely in your own head of madness, because mm-hmm. you're thinking about a million other things. Um, yeah, it's nice to have this sort of community as well as these loving people kind of, mm-hmm. you know, you really embrace it. Yeah, sure. And especially with, the, you know, the fact that everything was online for about six months. and then, then, then Yeah, I mean, I learned a lot about technology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I remember you just always looked tired. Like you had just like sweated it out at home. And oh, you were, like, I mean, yeah. It's it like I'm doing <laughs> a lot. It was a lot. a lot on the body and it was a lot on the mind. And um, I don't regret it. I don't, no. There's not one part of me that regrets that at all but no. um, it has opened up, up more opportunities for my acting and my music which I kind of veered off for a little while which I think I needed to like coming off my last tour I was really shattered um, from two and a half years of yeah dancing non-stop so it was kind of nice to go on a little yeah a little journey off the path for a second but now it's like okay that was fun come back come back to the music so, yeah. yeah and I think it's also like um you know, the the one thing I say to anyone is when you can slow down, you can really appreciate mm-hmm. um, the other uh, other passions and hobbies that you have. Sure. I also think you get one life, right? Yeah, I know, right? So it's like, let's have some fun. Exactly. Let's like have all the fun. And uh, that's why I don't do a nine to five because I know that would literally kill my soul. Um, <laughs> sorry to all those who do nine to five, but I just know it doesn't <laughs> work for me. So it's like I get one opportunity to do this. So I'm going to say yes to all of the things that are going to make me feel really, really great. Yeah. And I'm going to say no to the things that are going to exhaust me or are not going to uh, make me feel alive. I think yeah. that's something that I've learned over the last couple of years is that I was always saying yes, 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 but it wasn't always good. It wasn't yes. always the right stuff. So I think yeah. I think that's also like something that fundamentally, you know, like I'd, I'd say you're an inspiration for me. Oh, which, which, did she go? Yeah. 
um but also like i think one thing that i really evaluated from you is kind of prioritizing you know a lot of how you feel about things and you know and you know that that's something that often you when you find your people i always talk about finding people and finding your people and find your sort tribe. of try yeah, yeah and i think we talked about this before it's like we found our tribes yeah um but yeah it's one of those things that when you do find your people or you do find the people who are really like you know positive or passionate about what you do mm-hmm. and they're passionate and you're passionate about what they do and it's mm-hmm. kind of just like this nice collective of you're just you know you don't have to always be like living inside each other's pockets but you're just constantly aware sure. of what each other's doing and um you know keeping you know either up to date through social media or anything yeah. but there's a nice support system because th- there is you know like um you know, for backstory, Aaron and I were going to work on a project. And I remember the, like the sweetest thing you ever said was just like last time we met up for coffee. And it was just one of the nicest things that stuck with me for, um, I think quite a while after, oh, okay. which was just, um, it, you know, if it ever gets picked up, um, you know, revived or whatever, or whatever you want to do with it, I just, you know, it, and even if you don't want me involved, I still want to know that I love, you know, what you do and all those things. And it was a really nice sentiment. I was like, I just like part of me went, no. Oh, <laughs> but that's it's- all true though. Like, it's, I think, um, and this is something that I've been talking to a few people about recently, actually, and that there's a an energy or an attitude sometimes through our industry yeah. that can be quite toxic in terms of like not supporting each other. Yeah. And the thing that I love about every person that I come in contact with is that they aren't me. Do you know what I mean? And they're, they're so unique and they're so original and... Yeah. I might not understand them, but that makes them even more fascinating to me. So it's kind of, I, I want to know each and every person, but because they are their own person. And um, someone said something to me recently and it was just uh, something like, not the exact words, but just know that someone else's success doesn't lessen your ability, doesn't lessen your standards yeah. or your life. So it's like, if someone else books a show that's great. Like we should be supporting each other and mm. rather than being like, well, that person got it. And so I don't know why I didn't. And then going down to this like toxic negativity. And I'm just like, you know what? I wasn't right for it. This person got it. And I'm so fucking proud of them. So, and I think I wish that there was a bit more of that yeah. in our industry rather than this constant like pecking competitiveness. It's, um, yeah, I don't know. And I just think, I mean, you today are wearing a T-shirt that says Queer Things and it just brings me so much joy because it's just like if there was one thing that Martin would wear, it's this and it's <laughs> awesome. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't pull that T-shirt off to save my life. But you can because you're this, you're original and you're unique and you're quirky and it's awesome and it means that your mind goes a different way. Yeah. And even though I won't be on the same path, I'll be next to it being like, okay, yeah. I'm fascinated. Like let me let me be part of this. I want to know. Like and like I said to you if I'm not in your stuff, I still want to see I, it. I'm still proud of you. I still want to support. I think it's also Always. like um one of the things that I absolutely absolutely loved working, you know, when we were working on mm. um Fresh Local was just the way you can still do it. So I know I <laughs> still do it. Um, I also want to be the villains of it. I know, and and look, it is still on the tables of sure. you know eventually being made, and I don't know when, but it's also like the characters. 
they didn't have to specifically be the ages we set them. Sure. At. And I think that's always kind of good because I don't want anyone else who is playing the villain of Alice, <laughs> anyone else than you. But um, but I mean, like the character itself, we we kind of worked on that together, and a lot of sure. how that script came out from early days, mm-hmm. I think, is one of the things that a lot of people forget about creating a project is and this is what i say to everyone is don't when you cast someone work with that person 100%. to develop that character because yeah. what you have on a script versus what is shot are two different things like yeah. they're very um you got to separate those things and i think the way we developed i really like a hundred conversations about how this action should be and how this one should be and you know all those things and i remember the last you know we did a zoom read Back in I think March last mm-hmm. year, which feels like decades ago. Um, but I remember watching it again, and one thing that I really noticed was how proud I was of that read. Mm. And what I think we dis- I discovered through that read was everyone knew kind of more about their character because we'd had so many discussions. Especially mm-hmm. you had asked like I, every time we met up for coffee I and asked everything. lots of questions, and I love that. Not but all you know, the questions. but but the thing that most actors don't have, especially also, I think we've developed such a you know personal rapport as well as a working rapport, mm-hmm. is where you know we do we talk shit and we do you know, but we also. Do we? I don't know. We just. What do you mean? I have like a halo around my head. Yeah, I know. Just like fuck. Mm. (laughs) Um, But no, we talk a lot of shit. And I think also one of the things though is we're very good at being honest and open with each other, which is a lot of like. I don't remember something also you said um, you said to me, which was, you know, when, you, when you're comfortable with someone as well, but you also never hesitate on being brutally honest about certain stuff. Mm-hmm. because um, I mean, constructively. Yeah, <laughs> constructive. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, but that comes from a, like, a, oh, I, I want to understand why you wrote this. Or like, mm-hmm. you know, I remember you asking me questions about certain, you know, lines in the script yeah. and just going, why would she say this? And mm-hmm. why would she do this? And it really made you think rather than just being like, oh, you know, because I hate people who just go and just go, oh, she's always done that and they not have a real reason yeah. to an action. But that's the work as the actor too. Yeah. I think like you have to, you have to have a solid foundation of the character. You can't just rock in and be like, all right, I'm going to do some lines today. Like <laughs> that doesn't work. Um, no. And it's, and it's baffling to me that, um, that some people are like that, um, you know, but I, I think, also something that has discovered, um, you know, is the use of, you know, now doing radio is the use of voice. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, what a lot of actors don't realize when they do physical roles, and I know you know this from doing singing and musicals and mm-hmm. dancing and everything, is using your whole body. Yeah. And using every element, yeah. including your voice, on how to portray things and whether how high your octaves and, mm-hmm. you know, everything is. Um a lot of people don't get that. Like a lot of, you know, how would you describe yourself as a, as an actor? Are you kind of like a quirky actor? Are you kind uh, of like, a, you know, would you kind of describe yourself as a character actor, a, myth, a methodical actor or, you know? Um, would I say, <laughs> I would say that I could be, uh, I like to improv. Yes. And I like, I'm a physical, I like to have something to do. Yes, you are a very doer. I love to have, I'm a real proppy actor. Like I love to have something in my hands or like if I'm doing a self tape or, um, and it's saying, you know, she's chopping up apples or something. Yeah. I'll actually like, not maybe not apples, but I will, I'll do something. I'll have a knife in my hand. Like I need, cause I feel like that frees up my body. Cause I feel like so much of the time, you just get so stuck yeah. in your body. But um, I think from years of dance and years of 
yoga and all of that, I feel really connected with my body. Yeah. Whereas I know a lot of others don't feel like that. Um, no, and I, I'm very organic. I don't like to overdo stuff. I think we've had this conversation. Yeah, we have. We have. Um, where I've done a couple of shows before and they rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse, but then they rehearse anything that's organic or beautiful that comes out of it and it becomes really rigid, which is something that happens a little bit in musical theatre because it's very cookie cutter. Yes. Um, it can be, it has to be the same show every night, whereas in theatre you have a little bit more room to play just a little bit um film definitely because yeah. i mean but always i think i told you i always feel like the laziest actor when i'm on film because i'm so expressive in real life that i have to really dumb it down yeah so um that's always really interesting but would i say i'm quirky i wouldn't say i'm quirky <laughs> I would say that you don't, you'll never know what you're going to get because I'll always play. I'm really up for playing. I'm really yeah. gonna be like, okay, you want to go down this idea? I'll go with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You are. Fine. You're very much a player. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm a player. They're <laughs> <laughs> all like, around, the, around the block. It's you know? <laughs> a lot. Could you imagine? I have no time for that. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't imagine at all. You were like, nah. <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, like, uh, I think that's kind of, yeah, it's, you are, you do have this like presence as well being this, uh, you know, expressive person in real life. And Mm. I do notice that when you kind of like, you know, but I can't imagine you ever sort of completely dulling it down, like to being like the point of like. Well, I would have with Alice. You would have with Alice. sure. And that's what's exciting about Alice because, um, I think one of the first things I ever said to you, the nice, the the best villains are the nicest ones, right? Like I just think of John Lithgow. Yes. He's terrifying, but he's so nice that you can't not like him, but then he'll literally cut your head off. But like there is a beautiful thing about stillness. Yeah. And sometimes I think that can get a bit lost when you, especially when you're creating characters like Alice because – Yes, I, there were so many things that I had to do, so many things like in that cafe that were set and there was a lot of movement. So I think in those sense, while that action is playing, she needs to be really still because she's quite manipulative, right? So it's yeah. like- It's a just, very cat and mouse. As long as the thoughts are happening in the mind, you'll see it. Yeah. You'll read it on my face. I think I think it was always kind of like my, uh, you know, my love for your expressions as well was it was just kind of like there was something about when when Aaron came in for the audition as well. Here we go. Yeah, which was, you know, there was me, there was um, the writer Felicity Keep, mm-hmm. and uh, my co-conspirator Shannon Browning, mm-hmm. and all three of us were sitting at the table and we watched your audition, and I think after you left the room, the Shannon and Felicity turned to me and just goes. Yeah, Aaron. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I was sitting there just going, hmm, no, I want to see the others before it. I was like, and then by the end, it was like, okay, you guys are right. Um, but it was just very like, they were very sold from the get go. Yeah, right. And I think it was the way, um, there's particularly like during that draft as well, a lot of the a lot of the girls who were coming in were playing her straight up villain. And, oh, right. And, and there was oh, no. something about... The way you were saying hi, don't mm-hmm. worry, like don't stress, it's fine, and then you just flip a switch and you just be so dead, like mm-hmm. you know, you just be so manipulative, and the way you were delivering lines, and it was just, 
like when the scene changed, and I don't want to spoil it to anyone when it actually because we're gonna we're, do we're it. We're gonna yeah, do, we it, do it, yeah. We'll do it. We'll do it. <laughs> um, but but I mean, like when that switch happens, um, it, yeah, it's very like it's very very intense. And mm. I remember like during that audition, I had the audition tape. Believe it or not, oh, I still have you? it. Yeah. Oh. Um, I remember that whole switch, mm. and it was just the like the um. But also the way your mannerisms do and, and the way you were kind of like thinking and the way you improv some of this, you know, because we had a lot of actors come in um, for the other role of Michael. Mm-hmm. And I remember we did a lot of chemistry tests with some of the actors yeah, and some of them weren't right, which was like they were fine, but some of them played him so aggressive. Mm-hmm. And I remember there had to be this really in-between point. There had to be him as, you know, like the older dad and the older brother mm-hmm. and, you know, this this warm, friendly person. And then he does a 180. Sure. And I think a lot of people didn't know how to portray warm, friendly when they thought villain. Like mm-hmm. there, there was like they wanted to get to the villain part first. And I think that kind of like subtracted from the first half where they had to play it as very nice, like, dad bumbling like sure. but also charming yeah, you know yeah. like um and there were a lot of a- actors who came in very much like mm. oh i'm sinister from the get-go and i was like no no, yeah. no 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 but it's exactly that thing we were talking about with um ed kemper yeah right when we were talking about mind hunter and yes. all of those serial and, killers and, and ted bundy and they all don't realize half the time they've done anything wrong no um, it's all very calm it's all very lovely and they just talk about it yeah which is the terrifying thing. Do you know what I mean? That's what's scary about it. So I think my number one tip that was given to me many, 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 many years ago, and I'm giving away some acting tips, so tune in, um, <laughs> is that playing the playing opposites. So reading a script and yeah. then going, okay, this is where they want to go with this intention, but yeah. what if I flipped it and played it a different way? Yeah. And finding something new about it, finding something different about it. So um, one of my teachers a long time ago told me that everything is a comedy. Everything is a comedy. A funeral is a comedy. You you can find little moments in every little scene that are light. It doesn't have to be dark. It doesn't have to be heavy because those elements will be there. Mm. So... I always find that a really interesting thing. So when I get a script now, like I'm working on a piece at the moment, I was like, okay, I see where this is going, but what if I do this? <laughs> Which is interesting. Yeah, mm. I think it, I think also that sort of just makes you kind of like love a challenge as oh, well. Oh, yeah, but I you, love a challenge. You <laughs> There's one thing about me is that I love a challenge. I think, yeah, you do. And I think um, what's that? My favorite thing is... Um, Sometimes less is more. Like sometimes um, some actors love a lot of dialogue and sometimes I'm like, no, less is more. Mm. Like the less you say, the more like you can do. It depends on the script. It depends on the piece. That's true. Did you see Dorian Gray at STC? No. Oh, my God. So it's one woman, one woman show, two hours, and it's basically a two-hour monologue and she plays all 26 characters, Erin G. Norville, one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Wow. So they used – they pre-recorded a lot of her characters and then used video footage and her and she would interact with herself on stage. Um, all of her changes were on stage. But basically it was her for two hours. Wow. And it was unbelievable and a lot of dialogue. So you have to pay attention, but it's exactly how it needed to be. Yeah. Had that been any sparser, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, yeah. That's it's coming back, actually. I, I, July, I think. July. Okay, I'll mm. go and check it out because, like, um, mm. you know, I, I need something. I love Dorian Gray, though, the yeah, concept yeah. of Dorian Gray. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like, you, you've done, like, and you're about to hopefully do some musical stuff as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Because um, you've been talking about to me um, about, you know, pre-recording some stuff for Cabaret and, yeah. you know, like, is that, you know, and you're doing dance classes at the moment as well. Which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Got to so, keep your skills up. You know, is that something you also are looking forward to getting back into is that cabaret kind of vibe? 100%. Because you love a good cabaret. I love cabaret. I love that cabaret can be so uh, personal and so intimate. Yeah. And you can you can do whatever you want with a cabaret. Um as long as I, I always feel like there has to be a good story too. Yeah. There has to be a good reason for the cabaret and the good, I like a good reason for the story um, rather than it just being like, this is something I did and these are the songs of my life. I find, <laughs> like, which is something that a very young beginner is going to do and yeah. it's a great stepping stone. But um, some of the best ones I've seen uh, was a cabaret years and years ago called Siren. And basically she delved into the world of anything that was mystical about mermaids, sirens, people who like pull you in and manipulate you. Oh, wow. And it was amazing. Just like such a fascinating concept. Um, The ones that I'm working on at the moment are mostly for corporate work. Mm -hmm. So I have a girl girl trio that I work with, which is amazing. It's all very vintage and Andrew Sisters inspired. And, um, yeah, we were supposed to film last week some stuff, but um, COVID got cancelled. So we are going to redo it in the next week or two. Oh, lovely. Um, Yeah, but it's really exciting. Yeah. Really exciting. And it's nice just to work with some other creative people who are just like, they learn quickly and and Mm. they want to get it up and the the music sounds amazing and it's, it's really fun. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Like that's a, that's awesome because mm. I know you've I know you've kind of wanted to get a bit more of that out there mm-hmm. as well. Because yeah, yeah. like um you know, I think we've been talking for a while about some stuff. Yeah, we've been. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, I have this idea, Martin. I know. Should we do this? I'm always like, yes, yeah, but it's yeah. more, it's also kind of like our hectic schedules and okay. also a pandemic did happen. I mean, yeah, did, like did thought some things. things. Um, yeah. but no, we we still got plans to do stuff mm. but i mean like um yeah i think i think also just getting your voice you, especially your singing voice mm-hmm. out there more to a predominant because you've got this amazing amazing voice mm. um but also it sounds like i love that it sounds like an old 1940s oh yeah singer. you've got this yeah, kind yeah, of like yeah. presence i always told you that i was never built for this era no yeah. no <laughs> if, if anyone has met erin <laughs> if anyone has met erin she is not built for this era she is a, she is a, she is a 19 she looks like a 1940s housewife mm. kind of like but but i love housewife. her housewife yeah <laughs> housewife um, you do a bit like with the with the hairstyle with my hair because I have curly hair. I look like a nineteen forties housewife. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to dig myself this hole. That's okay. <laughs> Please dig, dig away. No, it's true. I don't feel like, and especially with technology and stuff, I just I just feel like I I don't understand. But um, no, I've always said that. Mum's always said that too. She's like, yeah, you were kind of like you, you kind of we kind of missed you. Like yeah. you should have been back in like the forties, fifties. So anytime someone does like a vintage thing, they just call me and be like, "Can you come do this thing?" And I'm like, "Sure." I love so that. So fun. I love that era, um, and it's kind of something I miss. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, not the depression or the because <laughs> we really loved it when we were there the first time. Right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we're that old. <laughs> 
<laughs> we sound so like yeah. hipster wankers. I mean, there are so many things wrong with that era too. I know. Like, Can I? There, there was something I remember when I was probably about like you know twenty two, mm-hmm. and you know like Newtown was full. Mm-hmm. Of people in that like 1920s outfits and stuff like that because there was like some sort of vintage vibe going on okay. and a lot of people liked dressing up and I think that was like a high school thing where you'd leave you know everyone's a little bit obsessed with that era for okay. a while. Sure. Um, it was really cool, but you know they had swing dancing as well. In they Newtown. still do. Yeah, is it great. Peaches? No, yeah. Miss Peach. I think so. Yeah. Um, but they still do it there, mm-hmm. and um, I think that's really cool. But it was one of those things that I remember just being like. You know, the whole immersing. And one of my favorite cocktail bars is set in the 1920s. It's yeah. like pa- um, Palmer & Co. is just yeah, like 1920s great. cocktail bar. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But, oh, my God. Uh, but, yeah, it's one of those vibes that when you go to, it's very much like you just kind of immerse yourself into mm-hmm. all the good parts of that era. Yeah. And then you forget the war, the, the famine, and yeah, like the, 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 the rationing. Alcohol, basically. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm immersing myself in those cocktails. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, you know, and also the weird thing about Sydney is, you know, because so much of it looks modern now, mm-hmm. like a lot of it looks mm-hmm. modern, that the hidden gems of the 1920s is still around. You just yeah. got to find them. Yeah. Um, and there is like, I think one of my favorite places is to go to the Marble Bar. Which if okay. if you ever oh been is that the, at the bottom of um yeah is it the big which what hotel it's like is near it? yeah it's near the um not the Fullerton oh I can't remember the um the something hotel I I know the one you're talking ah, about ah yeah I can see it because I went there yeah and it's, it's a really nice cocktail bar yeah but it's it's the uh, like Art Deco kind mm-hmm. of like marble yeah you know brick um pillars and everything and it's just yeah. to me that feels like i step back in time and i could just immerse myself and mm-hmm. and i would rather go to a fancy cocktail bar than a janky one like, yeah sure um but i do remember going to bar century back in the day when it was like two dollar um wow do you do you did you ever go there i didn't go there but i do know about it it's it's very <laughs> sticky floors <laughs> that's part of the charm right yeah, yeah. you have a two dollar drink but you know it's the great place when you were about 18 19 sure. to get completely sloshed yeah. and then um have a good night, you know. Yeah, yeah. We used to have a bar up the street, which is part of the pub. On Thursday nights, it was uh, $2.50 drinks. And at that stage, I was 17. <clears throat> 18. <laughs> I was 18. I was legal going into that bar. Um, and we drink vodka raspberries. Do you remember those? Like, that oh, was yeah. like the rage. And it was like, yeah, every Thursday night. And then we'd stumble home. But yeah, same same vibe. Sticky yeah. floors. And I love it. It's, it was pretty fun. I, you would a- never get that now. Everyone's a little... It's a little fancy everywhere. I know, right? And I kind of just like, there's part of me that looks at teenagers when they're sort of like, you know, when you walk past schoolie, kind of like them, you know, ending. Because I lived near my old high school. Mm-hmm. So Blackwater Bay was where, yeah, everyone stalked me where I live. Blackwater Bay They're going to be able to find you. Yeah, too, I know, right? You know. Um, is where my local high school was. Mm-hmm. So like year 11 and 12 there. And I remember getting drunk in the park opposite. Mm-hmm. And I still occasionally will walk past that area, like between Piermont and stuff, and see teenagers get drunk there. Yeah. And they're all drinking Passion Pop. And I'm like, I remember the day uh, when my taste buds didn't work out. Yeah, no. The multi, the rainbow-coloured tongues. Oh, um, so and now I drink, like, you know, I have a cupboard full of Contro and gin. So yeah, it's sure. like my taste has gone up and my standards have gone up as well. Like, you know, you just get older, your taste acquires. But, sure. yeah, whenever you drink cordial-flavoured like. And also you have no money when you're 18. Yeah, I know. So you're, Passion uh, Pop is very affordable. It's like five bucks or something like is that. It? It's, it's, oh, That's it's more not... expensive than I remember it. Oh, it was, it was, yeah, I think it's about five bucks. Okay. And <laughs> or it was like, but I remember the first time I ever got drunk was off Passion Pop. The, it's, I know. It was a very sad night. That's sad. <laughs> that, is, that is really sad, Martin. 
<laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but no, I'd like to. I'd like to kind of steer us back. Sorry, into- <laughs> yeah, we just tangent. This is what we do. I know. You it's- and I talk, and we just tangent to somewhere that we shouldn't be. Um, but we were, we were talking before the podcast about like yes. also. Um, you know, you feeling like you're getting to this age where you're you're kind of being in this in between point yes. about being cast. Yeah, sure. Um, do you want to elaborate to the sure. audience a bit how you feel about um, this weird in between? Yeah, stage? yeah. Well, I'm just saying because I'm in my mid thirties now, mm. so I'm at a point where I'm not old. Well, I'm not young enough to be like the young ingenues or the young leads in yeah. in shows. Um, but I'm also not old enough to be like the mums or the quirky characters, you know, that yeah. are slightly older. So there's this weird kind of dead zone for those in their like mid-30s of just being like, well, unless I can kind of cover one of those roles, mm. I kind of feel like I have to wait it, wait it out a few years. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. I'll keep going and I'll keep putting my doing my best work and, and stuff. But, I, yeah, I've been to a few auditions recently and they've been seeing me for things, which has been amazing. But I always walk out being like, eh, I'm not going to get that because I don't feel like I'm either age appropriate or not even close enough to cover. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting zone for those in their mid-30s, which is why I think I'm really grateful for the film industry going the way it is because there's always – roles for us in yeah. not so much in musical theater but for film there seems to be a lot more leeway and a little bit more um room to move with ages a bit yeah, yeah. i do agree i mean like also the, the you know i think yeah you you look like someone who's still in their late 20s early oh, 30s thank you. you do um but you know i think that's also something that we're sort of very fortunate about is you know um that are we kind of can do that we can mm-hmm. kind of like you know the age like people's different aging rates are kind of like whether you're not you burn yourself out and you suddenly look like you're tw- there's a great meme which makes someone like in the industry look like 57 he's like mm-hmm. i'm jim and i'm 27 he looks like yeah but some people are like that yeah. like they just they age really fast because of how they treat their body and well how- i don't think a lot of people realize a lot of people who aren't in the industry i should say realize how taxing it is actually on a performer's body yeah um which always makes me laugh when i was touring with priscilla for a couple of years and people would ask me at the end of the show yeah but what else do you do what's your real job and i would be like i just danced for three hours i'm gonna go to sleep because that's my real job i've been training for a really long time and this is what i do but i think they kind of consider like they don't see that the worth so much mm. in that. And then when you're doing eight shows a week, yeah, like that one day that you get off is heaven. Like yeah. I just, I remember locking myself up and being like, yeah, I'm just going to sleep. I'm just gonna, not going to speak because I need to conserve my voice for the week coming up. Um, it's physically draining. Yeah. And I think unless you're in the industry and you see it kind of happen around you, I think a lot of people think that we're unstoppable Yeah, or... Um, but yeah, that's very much not the case. Like ballerinas have what a very, very short career. Um, yeah, because of the way that it, the, the physicality of the movement hurts their feet or their legs, or it's so physically draining. Um, yeah, it's interesting that I feel like a lot of people don't 
really look at us and go, oh, oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm 30 and like my knees are aching. And then she's like, but you're 30. And it's like, yeah, but I've like been dancing for 20 years. Yeah. So it's like, ah, oh. <laughs> like it all aches a bit, you know. I think it's, yeah. And Magnesium's it's all- my best friend. <laughs> But I think that's also true. It's like, um, and something that you must get so often, which is, you know, why haven't you settled down? Why haven't you had a family? Sure. Like, you must Constantly. get, yeah, because mm. you know, like, that's something I notice is wrong with society. Because like, when you're a female performer or you mm-hmm. know, a female in most careers, like, people just don't comprehend that you, this is your career. They're like, oh, but when are you going to stop? Mm. And it's like, what? No. Well, I know a lot of people who um, are married, who are, who are mothers, and who are very successful in their careers. I don't think, I don't think it's necessarily that. I mean, you know me; I'm very career driven, and I love yeah, doing what I do. Um, but if that's not to say that if the right person came along and that was an opportunity, that maybe I would consider it. I can always come back to yeah. it, which is wonderful. Um, I was actually talking to this about to somebody else recently, and I. I almost feel like it's it's not it's not necessarily about the career. It's kind of like that whole idea of the American dream, right? Or I'm going to call it the Australian dream because we're yeah. in Australia, of being married when you're 20 and having a family by 25 and all of these things. And I think there's this massive shift yeah. that's happening right now and has been happening for like the last 10 years of maybe because women are becoming way more empowered. Go women. Mm-hmm. Um where we don't feel like these are our roles anymore. We, yeah. we have way more um, flexibility and opportunities to do all of these amazing, wonderful things and women are taking that. And so I think it's this kind of push and pull of like, yeah, but you are this age and you should have done that. And, oh, the clock is ticking, you know, tick, tick. And you're just like, yeah, but I can do all of these things and be a mum and do all of yeah, this sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And I am... Um, I kind of, I always get my back up a little bit when somebody says, yeah, but why haven't you settled down? Why haven't you done that? I said, because I've made a choice mm. that this is what I want to do. And I think that's completely legitimate. And there's, you you know, you can live your life. I have friends who got married when they were 20 and they're going, oh, I wish I'd done what you'd done. And I was like, yeah, but we just, we went down different paths. Yeah. And that's fine. And you have these beautiful children that I dote on, um, which is wonderful. Um but yeah, there is. There's this big shift happening, and it's really exciting to watch, actually. So I don't know where it'll end up in a couple, you know, decades time. But um, yeah, I mean, um, like, good. I think it, I think it's also like yeah, the the huge shift in empowerment towards women, mm-hmm. which is a love. Um, but also the opportunities just open up enormously, and I think that also just you know goes into the whole idea of just people feeling very much more comfortable with who they are, kind mm. of like choices in their life. Yeah. And one thing that I often, you know, noticed, especially with like growing up, and I think it was like something my mom used to say to me, it was like, you're going to meet someone special and, you know, you settle down and have a family. And I just, I think it was like one of the things that I'm like, I'm 29 now and my brother is 33, turning 34 this year and neither he nor I have kids. And I probably won't even for the next five years. Who knows? But it, but it's not something consciously on my mind. No. Whereas I think for my parents' generation, as you know, you were saying, 100%. they they were having kids in their twenties because it was mm-hmm. it was expected, and also it was just what they wanted. 
Mm-hmm. They wanted kids early. They wanted to, you know, and I feel like one of my one of my really good friends, he's recently had a kid and he's 50. Yeah. And his wife's like 36. So sure. it's like they happen at different rates and yeah. people just like there is no set age range that I think, you know, like that whole idea of we, you know, women, you know, obviously biological clock. As you were saying, uh, you know, like sure, it does I guess tick. it does get trickier as you get older. Yes, yeah. but, but um, but it doesn't stop you. Like they, you no, know, of course not. And, they, and I think people need to stop thinking of how it's like the B. You know, that what do you want to do with your mm. life? Is you know, and and try not to compare yourself to others. There's I, a huge yeah, element of that. Yeah, I mean, I think also for me, it's that idea of like, I don't want to settle. Yes. Right. So. <laughs> No, and yeah. I, I'm I'm <laughs> ferociously independent, um, but I don't I don't feel like I'm gonna settle for something that's not right. So yes. if that means that I never find it, or maybe I do find it, but it's later down the track, then that's cool. But if I have kids, if I don't have kids, like, um, but I'm not going to just marry someone and be with them because society says that I should. Yeah, and. And if that means that I don't have kids, then that's okay because there are so many kids out there who need love. And whether that means that I can adopt or I can foster, like there are so many other things that I can do. Mm. Um, They don't have to be my flesh and blood for me to love them. So I think there are way more things that I can do. And I, I it's the societal thing that bothers me the most of yeah. people constantly being like, yeah, but I don't understand, Erin. You're so <laughs> beautiful and lovely. And why why haven't you been picked up? And I'm like, well, you know, maybe you should also look at the men of this generation. <laughs> um, no kidding. I'm sure there's a lovely man out there for me somewhere. Um, but um yeah, I find that that the societal pressure is the thing that I get my back up about. Yeah, maybe. I'm just like, ah, well, you know, maybe I don't want to do that right now. Yeah, and I'm not honestly not even thinking about it. It's fine. I think that also makes you know you very you know commendable because it, it's also one of those things that I think baffles me a little bit is you know people want to tick these boxes, and I have never been one to tick boxes. Mm-hmm. Like as we were saying, both you and I are very much like quirky people yeah and there's something that makes us very unique about those quirks Mm -hmm. and about the way we sort of see life and into you know go into life Mm -hmm. and i think you know both you and i have never really kind of gone through life and gone we need to tick all these boxes to make ourselves happy we've gone and just done what we wanted to do and i think also with that side of the coin that that makes us very much like not fit into this weird mold that is Mm -hmm. society because if if I listened entirely to society, I would have been like, oh, okay, well, I have to be like this macho guy and I have to kind of like go off and, you know, be a certain type of person sure. with, you know, like certain career goals. And, you How know, dare you be unique? I know, right? But it, it, And that also comes from not just society pressure of what media tells us, but it comes from also sometimes our friends. Yeah, which, you know, sure, family. Um, friends, My family. My grandma's constantly asking me, you know, when will she see me walking down the stairs in a white dress? And I was yeah. like, well, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like, th- th- that's the thing. And I think, um, you know, it's one of those things that I remember when I said to my parents really on a, early on that mm-hmm. I wanted to get into the creative industry. My mom was just like, <laughs> I don't know what that entails. Yeah, sure. And uh, that's a very daunting. Okay. Does it pay? Does it, you know, have a profit? Yeah. You know? um, and that yet- stereotype that all actors are unemployed and have no money. I'm just like, that's not true at all. Thank you very much. But this, so we don't have a lot of money. But, but yeah, we but do. some people are very successful that's actors true. and they're quite happy. You I know? mean, 
I think that that's very true. And I think just people forget it. But also people compare us to like, you know, when you go, oh, they're a successful actor because you've seen them in a movie. Yeah, which is and, like the 1% of actors worldwide yeah. will be in a movie. And the rest of them were yeah. either in theatre, radio, you know, in like ad commercials, mm-hmm. like all over the shop. Yeah. Um, and I think that people just forget how much source of media mm-hmm. is out there yeah, yeah. to kind of make, you know, make a kind of team of Mm -hmm. different people and different creatives and how you interpret things. And, you know, I think it's a very big plethora. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, our parents, like definitely my parents, kind of like my dad's a photographer. So it was kind of like, um, you know, I do photography. I do, you know, like podcasting. I do like I work a full-time job. I make movies in my spare time. Mm -hmm. Like all these things that I think people realize and and i remember someone said to me recently they were like god you're busy like you produce a lot like you do so much and i and i like there was a little voice in the back of my brain saying do i do enough like and there's yes yes that's my brain all the time being like why are you sitting here and you should be doing something else yeah you've got cabarets to write you could write some music you could practice guitar there's like so many there's so many things that you know like i i think that's the you know the good the good thing about being a creative and also the bad thing sure it's a it's a like again a double-edged sword Mm. where you just kind of your brain doesn't know Mm. how to entirely switch off it can i can definitely reduce it but i don't Mm. know how to kind of like i will be reading a book one day Mm. and i'll be like that's a great idea i've got to write that one down and then i'll write it down and like elaborate this is why i was teaching you yoga yes right this is the ability to just switch off for a second (laughs) this is true Mm. (laughs) and it didn't work (laughs) i think you came to one class (laughs) i came to one class look i'm terrible at committing to like it was a fun class though i will say that i did you do Mm. and i and it was just it was also like we live like a fair way apart. We live like almost. Yeah. 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 So it was like, I was telling my mom about it as well. She loved the idea that you okay. were doing it. Um, she's never met you. <laughs> she no, loved the idea. I feel like she just watches me on those Zoom calls. Just like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she just sneaks into the background and watches you. Um, but no, I mean, like those are the, you know, the yoga and all that stuff. You know, you have the, was, when did you discover also, that's an interesting kind mm-hmm. of thought process as well. When did you discover that helped you kind of like switch off? Was that so early stage or? Um, so I have always been that kind of person that physical activity or physical movement has been my release. Yeah. Always. And I think that's coming from years of dance. So if I ever get like agitated, going for a walk is the best thing for me. Not sitting, going for a walk and just burning, burning a little energy. Mm. Um but we did Pilates and yoga as part of my three-year course in yeah. Singapore. Um, and I loved it. I loved that it would center my voice, that it would center me, it would focus me. Um, and I kept doing it while we were on tour, like all over the world, because when you're dancing eight times a week, you need to keep your body strong. And it wasn't – at that point, I wasn't doing it mostly for the the benefit of my mind, but I was doing it for the physical benefits because yoga – and Pilates keep your muscles so strong that mm. when you're dancing, like you need to be able to protect yourself. So that's why I did it to start with. And then I remember coming back for six months, maybe yeah. six or seven years ago. And um, I found I was getting really anxious going into auditions and I couldn't get my brain off. And I, I was getting really not depressed, but just, I was really, um, my whole brain was not in a very good mental state. Yeah. And I found that yoga was one of the things that really helped me just go to focus and just go, okay, take a breath. Is this important? Yes, no. Okay, how can we deal with it? And can you find a positive? Yeah. 
always try to find the positive was what my brain always said. Like you can sit and you can um, really overthink things through, but I think overthinking is the worst thing that as a human we can do because then you just spiral out of control and you start to make assumptions, you start to create circumstances that weren't even there, which then amplifies the situation if you're in an argument or Mm. um, if you don't quite understand the situation. Whereas if you can find something positive to take from every situation, then you can let go. And letting go is like one of the hardest things that you can do. Yeah. Um, Because I I think I spoke to a friend of mine. It's like the more that you think about something and the more you talk about it, the more you give it your power. And we want to keep all our own power, right? We want to be the powerful people, you know, our own superheroes. Yeah. So the more that you gossip or the more that you are negative or the more that you talk badly about people you're constantly giving out a negative energy yeah and i i don't like that that's not for me um so yeah it was about six six or seven years ago that i realized that yoga was the one thing that helped retrain my thought process yeah and so now when i go into auditions like the one i did last week and i went in and there was a lot of material and it was really, really challenging audition, but I was like, I'm going to have fun. And whatever happens at the end of this audition, I'm going to come out knowing that I had fun. Yeah. And so I went in with that mentality and smashed it and had a great audition. And even though I didn't book it, I walked out and was like, that was fucking great. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's, I think it's otherwise you can sit and you can, you can have a whinge and be like, I don't understand why I didn't get it. I just wasn't the right person. Yeah. So that's why yoga has been amazing for me. Yeah. In the, I mean, there's, I mean, I'm going to talk to you about this for hours. Yeah, I know. That's like, a little, that's a tiny little like breadcrumb. I think, yeah. Mm. And I mean, like, you know, for someone who I know, you know, talks about like her own, you know, like mental health and everything. Mm. And, you know, you're very like. Got to talk about it. Yeah. Got to talk I think, about I, it. I think Always. that's, yeah. But I think that's also the thing that I admire about you because mm. you're very open about things. It's like, you know. And you're very understanding, whereas, you know, and that's that's a unique gift to be very compassionate and understanding because a lot of the, <laughs> this is the thing of the other side of the coin. When people have mental health issues, they don't always. They don't underst- want to talk about it. They or, don't want to talk about it yeah. or they don't understand why mm-hmm. other people would have the same kind of issues. Mm-hmm. There's a kind of like a weird block yeah. in their brain. Um, and I think one of the easiest things was, you know, like. Um, knowing you for so long mm. as well um, and just being able to f- kind of freely develop a friendship outside of a working relationship. Mm-hmm. But I think that that required, you know, like times where we would sit down and we'd just chat and have a breakdown of our lives and kind mm-hmm. of like chat about anything. But people forget that's how you communicate. And there's sure. a real, you know, I think, um, yeah, when when people have that lack of understanding or lack of communication and they just don't want to talk about it mm-hmm. and they close everything off. And they, you know, shut the curtains and everything. And it's mm-hmm. just, you know, I think, yeah, it's just, a, it's a very strange scenario because mm-hmm. I still know people who do that. And they, you know, to me, there's, you can't help mm-hmm. them if they're not helping themselves. That's yeah, my mentality sure. now as well. You've got to really kind of. Yeah. But, you know, there's also that flip side too of like, if we have that mentality, like I can't help you unless you want to help. Some, like, mm. I think that's also a negative mentality to have yeah. because. Sometimes the best thing you can do for another person is simply to listen. And even if you don't understand, even if you, you, it makes no sense to you or what they're saying sounds like 
utter fucking rubbish, right? (laughs) Which I've been in situations. If you just sit and let someone vent or let someone talk out a situation, it's mostly, it's it's all about them. It's them working their thought processes and allowing them to kind of plot out what's important and what's not. And I mean, there is a a point where if they're constantly doing it to multiple people, then it's a it's a habit that needs to be that's yeah. forming that needs to be looked Broken at. And yeah. But sometimes, like, and I have a couple of good friends who just call, and I just sit there. I don't actually say anything because I know that they just need they just need to speak. They just need yeah. to let it go. And at the end of however long it is, they go, "Hey, thanks for just holding space for me." And I'm like, "That's cool." And it doesn't do anything to me. To just simply be there for them. Yeah. Um, but I know that they feel better. So yeah. if I can do that, then I feel like that's a tiny part of my day. If that means that someone else's mental health is going to be, you know, helped. Yeah. Way. And I mean, like, I think that I think that's sort of like very commendable because not everyone feels like that hmm. as well. That's because we're all too busy, yeah. right? This is a whole thing about like being busy is a good thing. Yeah. I don't think being busy is a good thing. No. It's like when, when you say, hey, how are you? It's because, oh, so busy. And you're like, well, what are you doing for fun? Like, what's the good shit in your life? Yeah. Like, I don't think it's a good thing to be busy. No, and I, and I think <laughs> I think that's very true. And I mm. like, I like you know, having, and I think people forget this, like, I like having alone time and I think, you know, but I also mm. like spending time with friends. Sure, And I think you've got to have this balance. Yeah. You've got to have this yeah, yeah. great balance. And I remember, you know, um, Especially when the pandemic happened, like the best thing I ever did, you know, was call friends, call friends, mm-hmm. for, you know, because you couldn't see friends. So you call them, mm-hmm. have a chat for an hour and some, yeah. something, um, you know, and like, yeah, we had a two hour chat, which, you know, with us at always time. You yeah, know, right. I was like, how long is this podcast uh, yeah, already? <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's an hour and 15. So far. Oh, no, um, but no, don't worry. They go for a normally about an hour and a half. So you <laughs> I'm good. So I'm, I'm actually in time. Oh, you're in great. time. I'm good. keeping an eye on you. Okay, good. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that I think um, with with sort of having the ability to kind of just open up mm-hmm. and, as you say, just allow yourself to feel and vent mm-hmm. and kind of work out yourself. I sometimes used to do that just by myself. I'd talk to myself out loud to kind of work out a problem. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Then I also think it's very therapeutic because you're kind of like you're using the wall or something as a soundboard mm-hmm. and just kind of like talking out. But the one thing I appreciate is when people were just like there then they're going to listen and it doesn't matter how, as you say, how mm. dumb it is or anything. It's just they're there, they're present, they're with you and they're mm-hmm. trying to you know help and listen and stuff. Yeah, and uh, I can't advise you. No, you're so, not a medically you know I mean? trained like, therapist. Of course or... not. So, you know. Yeah. And I, I mean. I'll be there for you, but I can't be like, this is what you should do because I don't know. I don't know yeah. all the situations. And I mean, so. like, you know, I've definitely had friends who just go and say, oh, should I see a therapist? I'm like, absolutely. If you feel like the need that um, you need to go and see one, mm-hmm. go and see one. But I can't tell you to do that. Only like there is an mm. element of like, I can advise you, sure. but I can't be like, take your hand unless you want me to. To sure. come with you yes. to that because okay. I can't force you to mm-hmm. do something you don't want to do yeah. or you're not comfortable doing. And that is um that is definitely a side of the coin where some people really just don't want to do anything mm-hmm. about their mental health. They will just step away. They will ignore, you know, like I call it um, the distraction. Mm. And a lot of people use, you know, um, using the word busy mm-hmm. to be a distraction because realistic. Do you think it's because they feel unsafe? I think so. 
I think that I think there's a little bit of unsafe, but I also think there it's a little bit of they just don't want to think a feel. Okay. There's a lot of sure. elements of like I'm not a medical expert. I'm not. No. Um, but I think a lot, a lot, I, some of it is just people don't you know know how to process emotion correctly, whether in that it's is due to parent upbringing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, some people just kind of because they've coped, you know, especially people I think mm. who are carers. Or like okay. stuff like that. When they've cared for other people so long and something tragic happens in their life, they instantly go to care for other people because sure. they can't deal with uh, caring for themselves. Mm-hmm. They have to go and do project that care onto something else sure. and therefore neglect themselves. And mm-hmm. I think that's a kind of like a negative kind of spiral as mm-hmm. well because you've got to really take five and look after yourself. And 100%. It's one- you are unique and beautiful and yeah. you have to look after yourself um number one there's only one you number there's one. there's no one else like mm-hmm. you and i think that people forget a lot of that yeah. um but i think that also makes you very you know genuine and nice because you're very aware of that you're very aware of sure. how special people are and especially like you know you know you the good people versus the the people you don't want in you know the toxic people in your life you're very good yeah those people give up a real energy yeah you can pick it up a mile away and you go okay that's nice you're lovely i i just don't need to be in your space yeah and i I think you've you've been you've always given that vibe about you very like not selective but you just know you instantly know (laughs) i'm selective (laughs) (laughs) Here's the category I carry out. If you want to chat to me, I can chat your ear off for hours. So she can, um, but no, I mean, like, I mean that in a very nice and sincere. Um, But yeah, it's it's and it's also just you know the fact that you know every time I I see you, you're you know you're talking about these wonderful experiences, or you know like you're talking about these wonderful things that you've been doing, and you're such kind of like, but you're also kind of like engaged with everything. It's just a beautiful kind of soul. I know, just do shit that makes you feel happy, right? Yeah. And then, I mean, like, you know, that's just that's just what you got to do in yeah. this mad, mad world. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I know for me, like, at the moment, I've been working, you know, six, seven nights a week for yeah. the last few months. So this week is bizarre because it's so quiet. But um, I'm going away. Like, in two weeks, I'm driving up. I'm going on a little road trip by myself. I'm going up to the mountains and I'm going to just hang out in a farm for a week. And Ooh. it's going to be awesome. And there's no reception, so nobody can bother me. And it's going to be great. But I'm doing that for me because I need a little escape from the city. I know. How and, good is um, an escape? <laughs> yeah. And I haven't been because, I mean, it's been two years since I was on a holiday. Wow. Yeah, because I haven't had a weekend off because of the studio. I've had no weekends for the last two and a bit years. So you are you must be exhausted. Um, <laughs> I mean, yes, but I'm just looking forward to not having to be by my phone. Not to not. I mean, you know, I've sort of dropped off the whole social media. You have thing yeah. for a lot. There's a lot of reasons for that. Um, so it'll be nice to sort of be unreachable for a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, you know, and, and. Just to breathe some fresh air. That's, that sounds like the it's best way. That'd be so good. <laughs> I'm jealous now. You come back and you'll just be this blossoming flower and I'll be like. I'm already a blossoming flower. What are you talking so. about? You'll be more watered. You'll be more, sure. you know, it's radiated. I'll be watered. So. You'll be watered. <laughs> Did you like that? Man? I did. I did. That was that was very funny. Oh no! I just gotta make sure I just like water you for this. Yeah, that's the it. Way, how I I'll have a couple of extra shoots when I get back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I also just every time I talk to you, it's like always a blast. Yeah, it's, it's so fun. It's so much fun. Yeah. But um, no, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. No. I could, I like literally could talk to you. I know. I was I'm like, a- I, I can see you being like, we have to end. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> 
Because this could, like, if we go into another topic, this could be another 10 days <laughs> of our... We're the worst. Um, no, but no, I, l- I love spending time with you. It's, it's always a blast. And mm-hmm. also, I know you have to get, you've got like work soon. Yeah, that's well. all right. You know, yeah. but, but after this, we're always going to probably chat some more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just knowing us. Mm-hmm. But no, this, um, yeah, where can people find you on the socials? Oh, on the socials. Yeah. Well, when I'm on the socials, which is very <laughs> rare, uh, you can find me at Erin the Bruce on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much it. I have Facebook, but I kind of only use it for messenger because my most of my friends are overseas yeah that's true um so i don't really post there so don't follow that because that'll be really boring for you um but yeah you can find me on instagram it's yeah Ooh. so go and go and stalk her on instagram yeah stalk come say her. hi come and say hi um what is it slide into my dms <laughs> is that what they call it yeah no, i'm so hip. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If no one saw that reaction, but I think that <laughs> facial expression said everything and it made my day. Um, but yeah, if you want to check out more episodes of the podcast, it's available on Spotify and Apple Podcast. And I will speak to you all later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.